Oh, I thought I heard the old man say, Leave her, job. You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM. Thanks to the guys from the Irish Programme. Great stuff as usual. This is Penny, Pete and Miranda in the studio for two hours of football. A lot happening in the football environment. Pete, what are you doing? Just just trying to get set up. Uh, if I didn't have to stop to try to help you on the main panel, we would have been okay, but no, that's right. It's all my fault, apparently. Just lob it my way, baby. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining in, and hello, Miranda, and hello, Pete. Good morning to you. Morning, Penny. Morning. Pete, we've already <laughs> heard that you're around. <laughs> yeah, you can't keep me a secret. Um, welcome, everyone. Thank you to everyone that supports us, everyone who's a member of the show, and our fantastic partners, West Coast Futsal, Prosperity Strata Management, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron Gate and Fence Hardware WA. We do appreciate everything that you put into the show by way of um, dollars and support. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a bit of a sad and reflective week for a huge part of the football community with the passing of Rod Banjack. We'll spend some time in that space in the show today. We'll cover a lot of other things as well. And um, we'll have Danny Dewhurst from the Football Fairs up first. Um, he's going to be up at Kingsway Olympic this morning or is probably already there and will be champing at the bit to have a chat to us so he can get to the tables. We'll have a chat to Bobby Despotowski, a good friend of Rod Banjack, Neil Bennett, sports writer for women's football, 
He's a uh, long time involved with Northern Redbacks. He's a weatherman, and um, he has a bit to say about women's football. Stephanie Brantz, ABC Sports journalist, and we'll have a chat to Gareth Navin from Football West. He's been out and about as development officer, and I'm sure he's been a very busy lad. We'll have a look at what the local football environment looks like without travel in it because um, part of what the Football West officers do and the programs at Football West are is to get representation and get teams that travel interstate, uh, internationally, and that's pretty much stopped at the moment. Yep. Mm. So we'll see what that landscape looks like. What about your week, guys? Pete, what's the news on your table besides work? <laughs> A-League's back. Glory's back. It is. Um, uh, but one is it... great result, one not great result. <laughs> do you reckon it's like out there in the media? Is it like hitting us in the face? Absolutely not. If you're not a diehard and if you're not following it, you probably wouldn't know it was back. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. It's a bit disappointing. It's kind of yeah. all crammed into a hub space that we can't go and attend the game, so we've got to go searching. And as a member, you have you know, a benefit that allows you to get down to the ground and you can't do that. So you might say, well... How about giving us some free access to a live stream TV or something like that as, you know, a compromise? But um, I I feel it's kind of lost a little bit in the football ecosystem at the moment. And and certainly got a new favourite player at the glory (coughs) now, and that's Dane Ingham with his two goals he scored in the last two games with (laughs) both belters. All goals are good for glory. That's right. What about you, Miranda? What's been your terrific news for the week? Yep, um, I've been cleared (laughs) to play 90 minutes on Sunday, so I'm very, very excited about that. We'll play... Frio on, tomorrow at Warhop Park at 3pm. Yeah, NTC have a, a nice brand of football. I've mm-hmm. totally and thoroughly enjoyed all of the women's NPL and the men's NPL games being live streamed yep. so that you can catch all of them um, through the week on the same day, late at night, whatever it is. I just think it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. there's been good crowds down at the games as well. The engagement from the clubs has been terrific, like the double headers and the shifting from the traditional Sundays to the Fridays to the Saturdays so that they can get good pitch space, mm. um, get a little bit of a grandstand happening on, on main grounds and have men's and women's at the same place, utilise club facilities better. I kind of hope that that um, helps going forward with, I don't know, income to the club and uh, better profile for the sport, Wh- whatever it takes. It just seems to be in a, a nice space at the moment. Yeah, you can kind of sense the community down there. Like a lot of the same people will go to all the games. I know we finished our game up last week and we're like, oh, Perth and Balcata are playing around the corner in 10 minutes. We'll just pop down and yeah. watch that game as well. So it's a good community vibe going on. It is, absolutely. Uh, we will go to a break and we'll come back very shortly and we'll talk to... Danny Dewhurst. This is Penn, Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 FM. We are one, but we are many.
West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We have the first sporting hall of fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia recognising the Western Australian football community. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Penny, Pete and Miranda in the studio and Danny Dewhurst on the line. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Penn, Pete and Miranda. How are you all? Very well. Good to, good to hear you coming over loud and clear. Danny, tell us all about the football fair. What's, uh, what's the purpose of it and uh, where are you going to be this morning? Uh, we're heading to, um, to the Kingsway, uh, Dynel, um, the Western Knights game, the Derby there, the top two clash, so that'll be a good day. Um, and we're just um, setting up about 10 or 12 tables and we uh, display a bit of everything, local history, women's soccer, English programs, we've got scarves, shirts a guy who does badges. Uh, so there's a bit of everything there for everyone, magazines and shoots and books. And so hopefully we get a good crowd and uh, Kim Michalides has uh, kindly put a lamb on the spit, so there'll be plenty of food there, the Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Where do you get all of the people and the material from for the fair? Uh, we just have a group of guys, about, um, about 10 or 12 of us. We get together and uh, try and find a spot where we can go, but... We've mainly been south of the river, but I uh, thought this time we'd go north, so try and attract a few, attract a few more people up that way. So, yeah, it's uh, hopefully, you know, it's always uh, it's always hard in this environment, especially being lately with the COVID, it's been hard to find a spot. So hopefully up there we'll get a good crowd and uh, get get some good uh, good feedback there. Mind you, people want to buy stuff. And getting young people involved with collecting, you know, that's the hardest thing, Pen. you know. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, as older people, as we know, is uh, we've seen a lot of history in WA, and that it's good to keep it going, especially with the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I know Brett Kluznick's doing a bit of collecting now on yourself, so yep. there's plenty out there to collect, you know. Well, probably one of the success stories is that the COVID nineteen has meant that people are 
uh, moving in different ways at the moment or not moving in different ways, so to speak. So there's been a lot of clean-outs happening. I know with the yeah. Hall of Fame, there's been uh, – we put a call out via Brett, who's absolutely enthusiastic in collecting all this memorabilia mm. before it gets chucked in the bin. Um, and yeah. we've just had so many people give us a call that we need to move into a bigger storage. We just uh, – it's amazing. It's, it's yeah. great. Great. Fantastic with the uh, with the use of the um – the headquarters in Queen's Park, too. That's going to be, hopefully, we can get a museum going there, too, you know. Well, you keep shouting that loud enough to as many people as you can at those <laughs> football fairs, Danny. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, we've got Bob Brown comes down and he's got some lovely history of WA soccer there. Like, he was manager in the 1967 tour of the Man United team that came. So, you know, Bob's got a heap of stuff and Mel Moffat and a few of the others. And uh, hope to see some ex-players down there, too, that played at... Uh, Locally as well, it's always good to catch up with those guys, you know. Yep, and and, and, and women's soccer too. You know, we need to uh, promote you guys as well because that's that. You know, I'm very surprised the skill levels increased so much. A couple of games that I've seen. Yep, it's been brilliant. You know. Yeah, and you can. So it's all going, all going forward. Great. It is the NPLW has been a big move for women's football. We're just talking about the engagement of clubs with it now, like Perth Soccer Club putting on double headers in front of the grandstand, yeah. and all those kind of things. Just promote everything about it. It's great. Yeah, and for the World Cup coming up, that's going to be great. Hopefully, we get a good, uh, good game there. Mm. Yes. Yep. When we, get the, when we get the women's, you know. Danny, as someone that knows uh, nothing about collecting football programs, I'm I'm sort of curious. With with other collectible things like you know comic books, spring to mind. People people collect yeah. them and they stick them in a plastic bag, and you you literally can't open them and ever read them. Is is that the case with like old football programs? They need to be you know wrapped in plastic and never looked yeah, at, or do these actually get opened up yeah. and people have a look through them? Oh yeah, yeah. People, you have them in a um, an acid proof bag, you know, clear bag, and they can just pull them out and have a read of those, Peter, you know? Okay. And um, we've got them from all over the world. We've got guys who've got, uh, you know, different different countries and mainly a lot of English and Scottish and Irish and Welsh programs from the 60s onwards, and people just collect certain clubs. You've got different people collect a bit of everything, testimonials, mm. which are non-existent now because the players are getting their own money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the money there on this. The old testimony was used to the crowd. Crowd takings was given to that player who service for twenty years or how long he was at the club. You know, mm. so uh, it's just great. That, uh, it's good to. Uh, what I'm really aiming for is getting people, young people, to collect as well because we're not all around forever. You know, and, and now it's time to some young people to step up and keep collecting. I reckon it's it's a great hobby for kids. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that, Danny. I tried to encourage my daughter mm. into philately, um, stamp collecting mm. and coin collecting, yeah. and I've done that since I was a kid. But, I mean, yeah. as an adult, I just don't have time. Mm. But uh, tried to encourage my daughter into do it, took her to a stamp club, went once, this is great, Mum, got all the stuff yeah. for it, and yeah. never did it again and hasn't got them out. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world, isn't it? You know, yes. like kids are busy on the other stuff, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're about 40 or 50 years old before you know it. But yeah. then the collection's then, uh, worth 50 times more. Yeah. yeah, I remember leaving England in 1970 as a kid and um, mum and dad had to throw my Subutio set out oh. and um, damn collections. And so that was that history gone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, you know, you can't take it all with you then. But but just uh, it's, it's like anything with collecting. It's, it's an art form in a way because back in the UK they have all these program, program fairs and World Cup collections and oh some some people are brilliant over there the stuff they have all over england so 
we just uh, never had it here, and it'd be great to get a national one eventually, you know, somewhere. Yeah, and, and as you say, also the history that, that they do um, uh, catch that way. I've, I've looked through an old drawer where I've got some old glory programs from, you know, like the, not, not from the 70s, obviously, but they're already 10, 15 years old, and you sort of have a look back yeah, through them and think, right. oh, I remember those oh. days, you know. Yeah, that's right. I've got the. I think I've got the original, the first game when we got hammered four one by UTS Olympic. Yep, yep. But that was, you know, it's still in good condition. You, you, you keep looking after them, and people, people appreciate just to look at them. You know what I mean? They don't, not necessarily want to buy them. It's just a display as well. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about uh, keeping a hold of the history. You know, Danny, I went um, to a fair a couple of weeks ago at the Vic Park Centre. It was called um, the Nexus. The Nexus. Yeah, Toy Fair. My cousin called. Calls it the um, the nerd festival, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went there, and I'm like, because uh, I didn't have a flyer or anything like that, so I just went there on his word, and it really yeah. is a nerd mm-hmm. festival. There's like all these things yeah. from Pokemon to Star Wars <laughs> to <laughs> Phantom <laughs> Comics, and I went crazy at that because I've been collecting Phantom Comics forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and there was soccer stuff there. Like I couldn't believe old football boots and just so there was a Sabudio set there, Danny. There was a Sabudio set yeah, there. Yeah. So I have to make the next time. I think they have them every three or four months. Yeah, yeah. Well. October is the next no, one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was In packed, yeah. totally packed, and so much for social distancing. It was just <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think none of these fairs would be socially responsible, except they're in WA. So um, you know that, that's probably an exception to the rule. But um, I did a little bit of uh, hunting around and found that there's quite a few collectors' fairs that. Uh, are on in Perth, um, and in the last six months of this year, there's quite a few dates mm. for things around Perth, and I was a bit surprised because of this social responsibility we have to be. Well, I think because yeah. we've had the lockdown yeah. now, everyone's trying to catch up and, and get. I've done their clean yeah. out, and they want to get a right. bit of bucks for this and that. Yeah, and I mean, when you say it was a nerd fair, like in the past, that would have been an insult, but now that's a plus. You know, these days, it's, you know, nerds are coming into their own. Yeah, those no, even garage sales and and. And um, just some of the local markets, Melbourne and Rockingham, people love that stuff. You know, mm. you, you set up a stall there and people just want to look at it and buy or whatever they want to do. And, you know, I get around to a few of those, but like you say, the Nexus Fair and a few others, Vintage Polka Dot and a few others that are on, there's always football stuff there. You know, it's just, um, I just think of a game, you're better off with an atmosphere, you know what I mean, for soccer. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. But, um, you know, football people there, so and it's good to catch up with all the people you, you know, ex players and enemies or whatever they are, <laughs> and uh, and um, you know, it's just good to gather gather people together. Whereas the um, you do find that other stuff at the other fairs. You're right, there's some good stuff out there. I've picked a few, uh, quite a few things up. You know, yeah, da- um, Danny. Just yeah, to, so, b- before we let you go, can I just ask: is is the fair about sharing information, or is it like a, a market store where? You're selling. Yeah, we have, yeah, it was about ten tables, and we got a guy who who does his own badges, club badges. The brilliant Tony Hickey. Um, we got scarves, we got shirts. Different people are displaying things and not selling. You put something on there, it's not for sale; it's just for display. Yep. Or people can buy, sell, and swap. You got socket stamps. You got cards. Paul Steele's got a thousand cards. I think he's looking at selling. You know, so it's a bit of everything. You know, shirts, scarves. Um, and books and shoot magazines and uh, soccer oh, books. I've got a <laughs> yeah, number of shoot magazines. Yeah, yeah t- Tiger comes to mind eight. as well. Is, and Roy yeah, the Tiger, Rovers. <laughs> Roy the Rovers would be books of that. <laughs> no, it's great. So we just, uh, we just um, see how we go today. And then 
anybody want any of the clubs want to be interested in another one in a couple of, probably another one before Christmas and that'll be great. Okay. So we'll just look into that. Yeah. And uh, we'll put it out there. So um well, thanks for having me on anyway, guys. No problems, Danny. I hope it goes well for you and have a bit of fun. Say hi to everyone. Yeah, we'll do. Good Thanks on you. very much. Have a good day. See ya. Have a good weekend. See you, see you Bye. Bye. See you, Danny. That was Danny Dewhurst. I think he is the coordinator of the football fairs. Whenever the name comes up, football fair, he's associated with it. Yep. So I think that might be the first one this year. I don't remember the one. there was one earlier in the year, but there could have been. I think Gosnell's is his area. Is General Haunt, so I know there's been one or two at Gosnell's in the last couple of years. But, yeah, ten stalls up at Kingsway. There'll be a few people up there, I reckon. Yeah, there would be. Yeah, good on him. It's uh, interesting how this uh, fair thing has come about, and I know on um, the Gumtree and the marketplaces online, they kind of they, they, they went a bit quiet for a while because uh, exchanging money by hand yep. and yep. meeting people wasn't really the end thing, mm-hmm. but then it's just gone Zoom off again, especially as people have spent time at home and done their clean-outs. And They've got just... bored with all their own stuff. They want new stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's crazy. It's good, though. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I, I love going to fairs. Love it. Uh, I'm not a nerd, though. I just like looking around. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. Uh, we are going to go to a break and we are going to come back and have a chat with Bobby Despotovsky. This is Penny, Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeeler and Miranda Templeman in the studio. How did I do with that, Pete? You didn't blink. You're pretty close. Yes, (laughs) close. And Bobby Despotowski on the line. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? It's been a while since we've caught up and had a chat with you, Bobby. Yeah, not a problem at all. My pleasure. Thank you for invite. No, that's okay. Um, What what, uh, pies do you have your football um, fingers in this year? Oh, look, you know what, I'll, I'll, we'll be, I will be coaching uh, women's, then that's when, uh, when that restarts, if you're restarting. Um, so far, the indication is that everything goes as normal, but that depends on um, Victoria and New South Wales. So if, 
if they don't sort out the coronavirus um, outbreaks and stuff like that, then um, uh, I can see something similar like the A-League. And, uh, you know, we probably most likely uh, split the league in two and have maybe two hubs or, or something like that. So I can't see it sort of a flying in and flying out um, as normal season. Yeah, yeah, the whole f- sport landscape is kind of a bit different this year, except if you're in West Australia, everything is yeah, zooming along quite nicely. at the nicely. local level, yeah. it's nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because, we, we, you know, Premier did a good good job of uh, closing the borders and keeping them closed and stuff like that. That's why we sort of uh, um, a little bit relaxing our, our um, uh, rules and um, you can do a lot more than the other states, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. I mean, it's it's hurting in some ways, though, in regards to business and uh, interstate business. But, um, yeah, I think we've all got our eye on the long-term ball that if we get it right, then we'll be yeah good in the future. Fingers crossed. Absolutely, 100%. Mm, yep. Now, it, it has been a very sad week with the loss of Rod Banjack, and uh, I was devastated when I heard the news, and I'm sure you were, and a lot of us in um, the community in football were as well, and... Um, just to give a, a little bit of a, a spiel about Rod for those of you that are unknowing, uh, Rod was pretty much a Forestfield man through and through. Um, he's been in Australia since he was about 17. He played uh, football over in New South Wales and Canberra at very high level. I think he even touched on the national team uh, a bit for a while. He was over there for about 20 years, I reckon, and then he landed in Perth and it was all about Forestfield for a very long time, Bobby, and um, he's, he's helped Forestfield along the way um, with uh, upskilling in his coaching and um, helping develop the academies at Forestfield. And, and we know that they've you know, progressed from amateur status through to State League and then NPL. And um, Rod was there for you know a very big part of that. So I'm sure that Forestfield are feeling a lot of that. And then in the last few years or in the last 10 years, 20, 15 years or so, he was also with... Um, a future glory with uh, Frank Arrock. Um, he appeared on the program here a few times and had mm-hmm. a lot of things to say, as Rod always did, and then uh, always took us out for a cuppa afterwards and had a lot more things to say. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the things that we really loved about Rod. I think all of us can say that we didn't ever agree 100% with what he had to say, but Rod was going to say it anyway. Um, and he'd give you that look out the corner of his eye like he was sizing up what you were saying and then he'd take into consideration and then he'd give you what he thought. Is that about sum it up, Bobby? Yeah, definitely. Look, you know what? It's, uh, uh, when I heard the news on um, on Wednesday morning, um, I was devastated. I, I, I couldn't believe it because I, I j- obviously I just spoke to him about the, the, the weekend game that they lost, I think, against Vanderloo 2-1 and uh, who played and who didn't and stuff like that. And, and you're right, you know, you, you, you always you always agree to disagree with um, with Rod. And that, that, was, that was him, you know. But one thing that we all have to agree, he was one of the most positive thinking guys that I ever, ever known in my entire life. Especially in a football sense where... You know, um, we agree on certain players and I was giving him pointers and stuff like that. But, yeah, I believe in him. He's going to come here. I said, look, you know what? You, sometimes you need to cut players from your roster to um, allow some younger players to come through. But he was, he was always sort of a positive to give players second, third, fourth, fifth goal when some other, other coaches, including myself, 
would never go to that length to give um, opportunity, that many opportunities to a certain player and stopping somebody else. But he was most, most sort of uh, influential in sort of, uh, he loved juniors. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was his passion. His, uh, you know, and his vision how the clubs are going to work and bring the communities together is proven at Forest Field. Uh, practically club from nothing to something. And massive part is obviously to the people of Forestfield believing in Road, uh, Road Banjak's vision how that club and um, how that community club is going to work in the future. Yeah. And they stuck to those uh, guns and they went forward and, and forward to the NPL all the way. And um, obviously that's a massive, massive part to Road. And uh, obviously in last, Last year, um, he stepped to um, Dianella White Eagles to implement that vision for the Serbian community to get together behind the club because obviously the club was falling behind and uh, people started going because of the administration and uh, certain things and, and stuff like that. Uh, as usual, that's, that's wogs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, on the end of the day, he stepped in in the hardest part of the club, and um, you know, he brought them together. He brought players together. Everybody believed in his vision. He um, assembled uh, new, new, new structures in the club, and uh, you know, they got lights now. They, they, it's, 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 it's magnificent what he's trying to achieve. And unfortunate, unfortunately, he, he passed away on Tuesday um, on the start of that vision, developing that vision for Dianella. And um, uh, I was, I was. He was one of my um, my best mates in football, and um, I, I, I said to Daniela, "Look, is there anything that I can help and actually bring that vision of of um, Rod to intuition? I will do it. It's, it's, it's not it's no problem whatsoever." He's a very passionate person, isn't he? You you need to understand that that passion and what he wants to do is how he's going to go about things, and then go along with the ride. And I, I think that that's kind of what happened at Forestfield is that he injected so much passion into it. I mean, there was a you know a few years back where Forestfield was struggling, and Rod was very busy with his construction, uh, you know, in in this construction industry. And I don't know how he, he gets it all in, but that passion of his and the motivation is just absolutely incredible. He must have impacted on his family at a time at some point. Um, I think all of us in football understand that that uh, at some point. Family. Um, Look, it did. Uh, it, I think it did. It did impact his his family, but he impacted uh, uh, as much as in, in a negative way, as much as in a positive way. Um, you know, his kids grew up, and uh, his wife was involved with the with the forest bill, and they all loved his passion and how much he's giving to the community. But also, that was his sort of a food for his soul. Yeah. He wanted to leave the legacy behind something that he did that people like us that is left behind can talk about him as a, as a legacy maker. It's not like, oh, yeah, he's another one of uh, us being in football and now he's gone and it's forgotten and stuff. No, but this this what he did with Forestville and what he tried with Dianella and actually started with Dianella. It's going to live way beyond him, myself, all of us. And and you know what? You have to admire people like that that uh, have that much passion, that see something and the vision to see something grows from the ashes to something to belong to a community 
and uh, you know younger generation the kids in in particular because he he, he thinks that the next generation is the people of leaders of 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 this sort of a country and and this football to take it to the next level and he always believed that and that's why he's trying to grow something from nothing to leave to the ne- next generation of the kids yeah to belong somewhere because yeah. we we're losing generation of kids not belonging belonging anywhere yeah, that, that's a, a really important thing that you're saying. I was listening to a podcast with Simon Hill and um, Zelko Kalak and Craig Moore this morning and they were talking about the legacy of some of the A-League clubs, if there was a legacy, and they were talking about when Ange Postacoglu was with Brisbane Raw and other coaches with different clubs and what they did while they were there but what legacy they've left after they have gone, mm. and it's, it's actually really hard to think of the legacy that they've left because some coaches they they just fill the space with what they can at the time, and then they move on, and either players go with them or the team's not the same, or so on and so on. But um, if you in, if you bring a vision to the club, and other people are in in that club, they'll build an infrastructure, they'll develop the facilities, they'll get the programs happening, they'll they'll have a system that other people can step into and fill when they're gone, and that's a legacy. Mm-hmm. And I see that where Rod has gone, that's mm-hmm. his legacy. He he brings that passion, and um, the whole club was on board with that passion. And there's infrastructure, there's programs, there's things in place. That's a legacy that he's left. Absolutely, and have a look. He, he, he practically built that grandstand at, at, at the forest. Mm. He, he, he put a proposal together. He, he went to the local council. He lobbied the local councillors, government, whoever you want. It was, it was no door unopened for him because he was knocking so many times on that door that you're going, look, okay, I opened the door for that idiot to come through. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then once he's in, he, he, he's infectious. He's, he's sort of a will not let you rest until you say yes. <laughs> and this is this is his legacy that he he, he always sees positive in people. And um, even when people you know let him down or stuff like that, he's always you know it doesn't matter. There is a circumstances why he let me down, and he always finds the reason to sort of uh, excuse you because you actually let him down. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I've never seen anybody like that. I never knew anybody like like him. Yeah, takes a lot of energy to keep going like that. I reckon. Mm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, his wife was supporting him. Dana was supporting him all the way. His boys and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's, uh, the the sad the sad story about Rod passing is that he passed to the day of his youngest son Marco passed away in in France three years ago to the day. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's the, that's the, you know, and we we sort of are thinking now did did he knew something about it or you know and yeah it's it's practically I, I believe it's a higher higher sort of a God working in, in mysterious ways and maybe maybe you know he wanted to be reunited with his um, you know son Marco who passed away three years ago so yeah. badly that um, you know he went there. Yeah, there's a lot of people behind here that would still like him to be here, though, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know what? It's uh, it's uh, it's sad, but um, you know, we we just have to celebrate his life. That's yeah. the, that's the way I'm looking at it, and this is what I took from his sort of a passion for life and passion for football. Is we just have to celebrate. It's like, yeah, okay, he's gone to the to another place, but let let's first think about his vision. Let's let's finish his vision as 
as best that we can because I think it's a big, big shoes to fulfill. But we can all try. And nothing's stopping us trying to fulfill his, uh, his big dream. Yeah, absolutely. And if that big dream is what we can see he's created in the past, which is injecting his positive enthusiasm into everywhere that he's been, um, ha- have good chats about creating new environments and infrastructures and places for kids to be and opportunities for them to play football, then we all want to do that, don't we? That That's the best thing that we can do. 100%. 100%. Yep. Bobby, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you and I, I do hope that um, the W League will go ahead and I, mm. I have heard some some rumours around that the A League is going to go from December to September next year or yeah, July. So sort of starting to slide okay. it towards winter. Yeah, so I wonder how the oh, right. W League is going to fit into that. Yeah, because it'll be called. Oh, look, if, uh, if we're going, if we're going uh, from December to um, to whatever date, we got only, uh, you know what, we got only 12 games anyway. So, so that's three months. We can, we can, if we start in December, we can finish by end of February or, or, or start of March yeah. in exactly the same way. So if, um, if, that's the, if that's the case, okay. If, if, the, if the case is to start next January to give a little bit more time to Victoria and New South Wales and everything, every. And, and actually, give a little bit more time for the vaccine to be produced. If, if one will be produced, I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if um, if they do that, then um, you know we can look. Put it this way: we can restart the season very quickly. Yeah, there'll be yeah. a different. Well, like it was different this year for the seasons of football hubs and relocations and change timings and all that kind of thing. Next year is going to be the same again because we'll be overlapping things. And I'm I quite like the idea of an A League running parallel or overlapping the local football season and creating our own space and getting our own identity, regardless of what else is happening in the football environment. That that's how I feel. Absolutely, I, I agree. I agree, and it's exactly the same with uh, with W League. Yep. You know, if um, if the vaccine is produced, we can restart the league very, very quickly. That's the, that's the, that's the point. But if it doesn't, then we have to look at the ways to, to save costs because, you know what, it's in, in, in one way, when you go into the A-League, at least they're getting, you know, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there to pay the wage and all, all of that. There is no such a thing in, in W-League. And and that's how the club's looking at it. It's like a burden on the, on the, on the club. So the money has to come from somewhere. So now the, the, the clubs and the FFA and everybody has to look into it and say, look, okay, we have to have a league. First and foremost, that is non-negotiable. We have to have a league because we look like idiots if we don't have a league to the world scene, but we got a World Cup in three years. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's, so, that's the so that is a no-no. Yeah. That is a no-no. So we have to have a league. So now <laughs> we have to look into the certain ways how we're going to restart that league and give younger generation of the kids opportunity to play because we're not going to have no Matildas playing this year in this league. That's right. It will so look my different. proposal was there is no, there is no. Okay, it's going to be a little bit more pain, but there is no import. If if you need to get imports, get maximum of two imports. Everybody's local, local girls playing. That's it. And then we will find in next three years who can step up to the Matildas, who can step up, and younger players can play for the younger Matildas. And the young, young Matildas and whatever it is, there is the conveyor belt starting to turn. How do you... Rather than get, rather than get you know, three or four Matildas in the squad, then you get four inputs. You only have space for two or three players to play. Mm. 
Yeah. And those spaces will be filled by the players that already have experience in the W League. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's, the, that's the catch. So yeah. now you get rid of four internationals, back to two. All the Matildas play the trade in, in Europe, so that creates a lot more spaces for the younger generation who can, who can play, but they don't have enough experience to play. It will be pain along the way, but if we don't give them opportunity to play, we'll never know how good these young kids can be. Bobby, what do you think about the exodus of our national players with the professional contracts that they're gaining in Europe and UK at the moment? So we've got players that are leaving. If we have a W League, then we can expect that players will want to come here and typically or traditionally that's been from America. Um, they've had their Challenge Cup, I think they're in the finals week of that um, in this week. Uh, so they've kind of had a hub system for their league. Um, do you think we'll get international players wanting to come here and will Australia let them in for a W League or are you thinking that we'll just concentrate on having our local players playing in that league? I'm always for the local. And you know what? Uh, if we find um, a couple of interviews that I did two, two and a half years ago, I predicted this. And I knew that they, they, as soon as the Europe open their doors and fix they, the women's leagues, everybody will be in there. Mm. And it's, it's nothing new to me. It's not a problem. It's new to a football people that have no idea about football in FFA. And now they're all saying, look, oh, we, um, the league is not going to be good because everybody's there. What are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm very, very happy that we have so many Matildas playing their trade over there because that's how we're going to know how good they are. Yes. If they come playing the certain leagues, don't come back here and tell me that the Matildas are going to finish third or second or, or go in a World Cup and win the World Cup. At this point of time, we are not good enough. Mm. And we are not good enough. You know why? Because we're playing in this league, an American league. We need to challenge ourselves. So let's send Kirk fly at Chelsea and win the championship. Let's, uh, you know, um, Ellie Carpenter go to um, Lyon and play there and win the championship. She's going to play against best footballers in the world. There is no doubt about it. And then when they come back here, they're going to know, okay, okay, this is the level. This is where we need to be. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And then we'll produce and the I'm, young I'm very, players in the very Correct. Yeah. And you know what? Some people don't like to call this league a development league. But that's exactly what it is. And I always say to people, you have league of 10 games, 12 games. Yeah. You can, you can call yourself a proper league. Please, people, let, let's, let's just be honest, man. Just be honest. Don't, don't crap around that uh, we are the, the third or fourth biggest league or best leagues. In the, no, we're not. Mm. We're nowhere near at this point of time. But we need to be because we got younger players and we got, you know, one of the best footballers in the world in Sam Kerr playing in Chelsea. When I was talking about four years ago, five years ago, saying that Sam Kerr starts goal, scoring goals, she's going to be one, one of the best footballers in the world. Nobody believed me. People call me, you're, you're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby. But we need to believe in something. We need to believe that we are only development league and let's develop these girls. More people we develop, more people, this, uh, more, more people are going to get into the game, more infrastructure we're going to, going to build, more money is going to be into the game. And eventually when these old Matildas come back and want to retire here, we're going to welcome No problems at all because they started all this. Mm. Bobby, before we let you go, and we do have to let you go, uh, do you know if they've announced a funeral for Rod Banjak? 
not not yet. I was at the at the family home on on Wednesday, and I spoke to um, wife Dana, and she will let us know probably um, early next week. Uh, most likely, don't quote me on this. She said that most likely is going to be Friday. I wonder how the current um, environment will yeah work with that because I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that would like to go, but I'm not sure you know if everyone will be able to fit in a space to commemorate his passing on. Yeah, yeah. So I can I I will let you know as soon as I find out. Uh, I'll probably find out on Monday or Tuesday, um, and I will everybody let let everybody know, and I will put it on the Facebook and whatnot, and um, you know whoever wants to go in and say final goodbyes to um, to Rod, and um, it's more than welcome to come. Good one. You've uh, brought up some great points in the conversation today, That the least of which is I think we need to have that W League because we'll look pretty bloody stupid if we don't in yeah. whatever form it is. Absolutely. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, we need, it needs to be a proper league too, like a full two two legs, you know, play every team twice thing, not, not the sort of the I agree. I agree, and I think that was on the agenda. I think that was on the agenda probably two years ago. Yeah. But then they knocked it on the head because it was costing too much yeah. and the players wanted to have equal pay with the A-League and that's where the wage went, um, you know, from about seven or eight hours into a 19 hours minimum. And, um, you know, they, they the clubs and FFA could not afford it at that time. Yes. Yep. I'm not sure they can afford it this time either, but there's a different priority now. We've got a Women's World Cup coming up. But, Bobby, we've got to go, and we'll talk more about this another time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> not a problem at all. Thanks, Thanks Bobby. Guys. See Thanks, ya. Bobby. Bobby Despotosti could talk forever to that man. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to talk more football coming up. This is Penn and Miranda and Pete, and we'll be back very shortly talking to Neil Bennett. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe Australia. We're all in this together. of land under starry skies above don't fence me in Auswest Fencing and Wrought Iron Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au that's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au. If we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we want to play against men, we're nuts. And if we dream of equal opportunity, delusional. When we stand for something, 
We're unhinged. It's super. It's going to need to calm down. When we're too good, there's something wrong with us. And if we get angry, we're hysterical, irrational, or just being crazy. But a woman running a marathon was crazy. Officials tried to pull her off the course. A woman boxing was crazy. A woman dunking? Crazy. Coaching an NBA team? Crazy. A woman competing in a hit job? Changing her sport? Landing a double cork 1080? Or winning 23 grand slams? Having a baby and then coming back for more? Crazy, 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 and crazy. So if they want to call you crazy, fine. Show them what crazy can do. I love playing that ad because it was maybe less than two years ago and before the last Women's World Cup that the Americans made that ad. It's a tonight football ad, but the attitude towards women's football has changed so damn much in that period. If you think of the last Women's World Cup and all the messages that came out of it, like women's rights, equality, blah, 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 um, it's just so different now mm. and only in a matter of a couple of years and the media's had a lot to do with that, social platforms, etc. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, Penny. How are you? Yeah, I'm excellent, passionate about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Why, why wouldn't you be? There's a lot to get passionate about. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I have to admit, I'm really excited about the NPLW or Women's National Premier League this season and the way that clubs have engaged with it. I, I like the way that Football West has is streaming all of the men's and the women's National Premier League games and is putting a lot of information out there on the platforms and it's getting shared to the clubs and people are talking about it. They're able to watch all of the games, but they're getting online, but they're also getting down to the games and watching them as well. And I don't know what I expected post-COVID, but this is this is good. It's been a really nice surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was looking at the figures uh, on YouTube uh, just the other day for the last round and uh, all of them games, with the exception of, um, of one of them, had over a 1,000 views. And in fact, one game um, was this, the third most viewed across all of the games, both the men's and the women's. Yeah. So mm. there, is, there is an appetite there, definitely, and it's really helping. Um, you know, people are tuning in. You can see that uh, during the games as well. You can, you can hear people talking about other games that are going on. So they're keeping up to date, and it, and it really builds a vibe and an atmosphere about the whole competition, which is excellent. Yes. I remember watching a Manchester United, I think it was Manchester United playing a game many, many years ago. Alex Ferguson was coaching and um, there was another game happening somewhere and it was uh, if the other uh, the other game result went a certain way, then, then this team would have won the league. I think it was Manchester United. I can't remember. And the crowd was – they were talking – the commentators were talking about it and you could hear the crowd talking about it and they were kind of a bit more subdued. Mm. And then the result from that other game came through and obviously it went through the crowd like wildfire and they were cheering before the end of the game. And I thought – Communication is amazing. Like they would have had their phones and their iPads and, you know, whatever connected to that to know what was happening instantly. And I, and I kind of I feel like that a bit now with football here is that the connection and engagement is a lot better than it ever was before and I'm really loving it. It's good for the profile of football here. 
Absolutely. I mean, when you when you consider that the first stream game was only last year, that shows how far behind yes. we are. And now when you're looking at um, the, the deal with Foxtel for the A-League, but then all the other platforms that are available for it, and then clubs are beginning to put their own channels out there. Some of the A-League clubs will be putting their own channels out there. And I think that that is the way. Obviously, you still want bums on seats at the stadium because, as we've seen, I don't know if you saw any of the games for the uh, FA Cup semi-final, but the, the atmosphere is completely lacking. Um, yes. It's, it's great to hear the technical side of the game, the players and the coaches barking instructions at each other, but you just miss that interaction with the fans. And mm. to me, it's just not the same. And so, whilst it's great, the streaming, we, we still want the bums on seats. And uh, I was down at um, Kingsway Olympic on Sunday watching the Redbacks against Fremantle and there were a few people in there and this one like just wandered up from out of nowhere and he said, what's this? And I told him what that what was going on. He stood and watched for about 10 minutes and said, this is better than the men's. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, sort of, that's the sort of feedback that you want to get. And then he may go off and tell his mates, I don't know. But if, you know, two or three more come along and then two or three more and the next thing you know, instead of looking at maybe... 100, 150 people at the games. You're looking at four, 500 at the games, and that will spur the players on as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, what do you think about the quality of the games generally across the NPL, women's NPL? Has um, has it thrown out some names and some styles of play? Um, has it brought some surprises or some things that we really ought to be paying attention to and maybe building on? Um, well, I think the opening round did, definitely. Uh, I don't think anybody saw the result for the NCC against Curtin. Um, so fair play to Curtin. Uh, by all accounts, they were pretty physical, but they still matched uh, the more technically gifted NCC and made them work hard for it. Um, and also, uh, in many respects to me, the, the surprise package has been Perth. Uh, they've played three of the top four so far. Uh, they came undone against Murdoch. And I think one thing with that, um, the state of the pitch has to be taken into, into account there for both sides. Um, I know that it's great that you have double headers, but really, if you're playing a game, you're the fourth up after a, you know, it's all cut up and the I playing agree. surface wasn't that, that yep. wasn't that great. And you could see players really struggling to get any passing momentum. But again, it was a good game. Um, I thought Murdoch, um, enjoyed. The, the line share of possession and deserve their win. And then last night, they obviously rattled in six. Um, so they're, they're the early pace setters. But it has to be said that they've, they've played both of the uni teams and uh, not being disrespectful, both of those teams are going to struggle this season. Uh, Curtin have got a brand new squad. Subia got the bulk of their state league team from last year and they don't have the sort of quality that even Perth have got when they're bringing in an ex-Matilda and Nicola Bolger, and then you've also got Katie Holcomb in there, Abby Meekins and Jenna Onions. You do have three or four players who've got W League experience and even international experience. So those two teams, I think, are going to struggle. But, yeah, it's been great so far. Um, I don't think there's been a standout change as yet. I think we're too early into the into the, into the the NPL to see any significant change. But with players coming up from the junior ranks, then they've got something to aspire to now. Um I mean, I think we'll get a better sense of the, the league when we're at the halfway mark. I don't believe that Fremantle will be sitting in sixth position at that point. Um, they're a good side, but uh, based on the evidence I saw on Sunday, they passed the ball around well. They're very physical, they're very technical, but the, they didn't appear to have a cutting edge. And against the well-organised defences they ran up against on Sunday, they, they struggled to c- create many clear-cut chances. And that 
could have been the undoing for them against Perth as well in the opening game. So that was another surprise to see Perth beating um, Frio that way. So Frio probably would be thinking at this stage that they would have been top of the table based on the results uh, in the night series. But, so, yeah, sorry, they, Neil, did you say um, the, the cutting edge, you're talking about Fremantle when you say cutting edge? Yes. Yeah, the cutting edge of Fremantle. I mean, up front, um, they, like I said, and it's only based on the evidence I saw on Sunday, but they struggled to, to create many clear-cut chances. Because they've got um, Gemma Crane, right, who was the leading goal scorer from last year, and she's yeah. she's decent, but she yeah. needs some supply. Mm. So, Well, she was, she was basically a one-man show on Sunday, or it seemed to be. Everything channeled down the right-hand side with her and Tash Rigby. And once that was sorted out, they were still dangerous, don't get me wrong, and they were still a very good side. And Gemma is an excellent player, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see her running out to Perth Glory if and when the W League gets up. But it was a little bit one-dimensional. Um, whereas when you're looking at Mum, um, you know, you've already got two or three players who've got... Cat's uh, got seven goals, Ellie. Ellie's on fire at the moment, she's got five. Um, and then the, uh, uh, the veteran Stacey chipped in with two yesterday. So they've got goals all over. Sadie Lawrence has scored a hat-trick as well. So they tend to have a little bit more in the way of an attacking option, um, I feel. Um, so it, it's something that Freo are going to have to work out on. They've got bags and bags of skill, bags and bags of, uh, of ability, and, and they had a lot of possession, but they didn't do a huge amount with it on a Sunday. Yeah. Miranda, what do you reckon about how the – well, NTC, I mean, if Neil – I've got Miranda here. She plays for the NTC, and she's playing again this week, so she's really excited about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but NTC, to me, I like the way they play. They're a good passing, footballing side. What, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts about the way your team's playing in the league? Yeah, I think, um, you know, having Ben as coach this year is um, really shift the attitude, I think, of the program because I think, you know, in previous years you can kind of get caught up in we're a development program. It's all about performance. You know, it doesn't matter if we lose 5-0, but I think um, the whole team this year has a really good hunger to actually go and achieve things. As well as developing, that comes with what you're doing. And if you're developing and you're performing, then you're getting results. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, we've got a very attractive style of play. You know, we want to keep the ball and build up play and... In previous years, I think, you know, we've wanted to get the ball and go score straight away and that could be, you know, inexperienced young players just wanting to get on the ball and dribble. But, yeah, I think we have struggled in a couple of our games where um, players have, you know, like Subi, I think we struggled to play against the defensive block, you know, because um, when you're playing against teams who, you know, share the same style, they want to pass the ball around and move then that creates holes in itself that you can then exploit. But when you've got a team that's sitting back, you have to draw the players out and create those holes yourself. And, yeah, I think, and, you know, we played very well against Redbacks, I think. Um, The pressing in the front third was really, really good and that caught them off guard a few times, you know, um, locking them in and forcing them long and then winning back possession. But I think as a young team, you know, sometimes experience does catch us out and, you know, yeah. What do you think about playing, uh, you call it the defensive block, and mm-hmm. I immediately thought of, I think it was Australia in one of their Asian Cup games, um, uh, talking the Matildas, they played against an Asian team and they just formed a wall. Mm. And um, I think Alan Stadgick was 
coaching at that point and we had like, I think Sam Kerr was on the pitch, Caitlin Ford, et cetera, et cetera. So we had a great team up. We could not penetrate their mm-hmm. defensive block. And I was thinking, coach, do something, team, do something. But they're an experienced team. They're even more experienced now. And that was a few years ago. For a young person like yourself playing in a young team like NTC, mm-hmm. what what's the advice from the coach or what do you think as a team that you can do to change that yeah I think a lot of the time it's just having patience yeah um and you know you can get very frustrated and you know try and start forcing things down the middle because you're just like we shouldn't be drawing we should be winning six nil where you know the better side but and you get frustrated and then you start forcing things and then you're not playing the football make more mistakes yes make more mistakes and you're not playing the football that you'll want to play and that's your style of football and um yeah I think especially as young players, and it can happen, as you say, at the top level as well. But you can get very caught up in the mental frustration of the game rather than thinking, you know, tactically and technically, what can you do um, to get around the scenario? It comes back to maybe the coaching and the discipline that's installed at training to be consistent in the application of that same style of play, not to disrupt it if you get frustrated um, and young people have to learn that that's not, you know, mm. your, your patience is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do think that um, uh, credit to the girls, you know, obviously I wasn't playing on um, Sunday last week, but they did um, have patience and they, to a degree, were sticking yes. with this style of play and it was good to watch, but... You know, I think the stats were 38 shots to maybe three or four and you've drawn two too, so it's just... Massive. Massive, you know. <laughs> Frustration by the coach. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> when you're having 38 shots in goal and you're putting two away, you know, you have to look back and think about how clinically you're taking those chances and I think if we can capitalise on those chances, then we'll be in a really good position. But um, fair credit to the Subi keeper because she actually, um, you know, made a good few saves in that game. Um, Had some good practice. Mm, yeah, I think that's the good thing, you know, um, as a keeper coming, like in my younger years, I really liked playing for teams that maybe struggled in a lot of their games because you do get a lot of action and you're developing every game because you're getting so much practice rather than if you're playing for a top team and you never touch yes. the ball, then you're really not developing. Different sets of skills to concentrate on. Now, let's just move across, um, Neil, to the W League Awards. Uh, which were this week, and they kind of flew underneath the radar because it was something that was, um, I don't know how to say it, like an online, it wasn't an in-person kind of thing where it was a big splashy affair and people were coming from all over Australia because, of course, it couldn't happen. So um, it just kind of happened and landed on social media pretty much. That's, uh, yeah, just kind of, oh, the W League Awards. There we go. So... um, Ellie Carpenter, for the third year running, was mm-hmm. the um, Youth Footballer of the Year. Now, when I first saw Ellie Carpenter play, I was a bit like, mm, it's a bit inconsistent, this kid, but she's got a hell of a lot of talent about mm-hmm. her. And now she's so consistent in her play, I'm like, man, she's a gun. Yeah. She's just going to cement that spot in the Matildas forever. <laughs> so I'm very happy that she won that award. Um, that was from uh, Melbourne City. And every time I think of City, I think of Manchester City, but it's Melbourne City. <laughs> Coach of the Year was Rado Vidicic from um, Melbourne City. Player of the Year was uh, Kristen Hamilton from Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, goalkeeper of the Year was... Joint. Yeah. Um, Bleds- How do you say her surname? Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bledsoe. Thank you. And Lydia Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Goal of the Year was Amy Jackson from Melbourne Victory. Referee of the Year was Rebecca Durkow. Mm. Did I miss any of the awards? Oh, Golden Boot. 
four-way mm. split. Sorry, she missed coach of the year as well. Went to Rado Vidicic. Yes, uh, yep, definitely. From Melbourne City, and and for me, the player the player of the year was noticeable in the absence of the number of nominees for Melbourne City players, which I thought was quite remarkable. Mm. Um, you know, when you saw. Uh, Morgan Andrews had a great season for Perth, there's yes. no doubt about it, but I would not have put her in the top four uh, in the league, definitely not. Not ahead of some of the performances that were coming out from some of the Melbourne players. So a bit of a strange one for me, that one, the, the actual group that they picked from. But Rado did a fantastic job with uh, with City. And I think it's interesting if we're talking about um, you know possible Matildas coaches, that his name isn't mentioned, mm, uh, yes. nor are the likes of Jeff, Jeff Hopkins, Dean Heffernan or Ante Juric from the W League. You know, we're talking about the young Matilda coaches or the junior Matilda coaches. And with all respect to, to Lee Blaney, um, she was in charge of a team in Thailand that let 16 goals in in two games um, in, the, in the championships. I'm not sure that that's what you want at the young Matilda level and definitely not senior Matilda level. So I think you, you try and keep your consistency going, but I, I reckon we need to be looking outside of the current coaching cohort, and that includes Ray, Ray Dower. And even Mel Andrietti, I, I don't believe that they have got the capability to take this group of players into the World Cup or into the Olympics. So I think we really need to be looking at people who've got the experience of W League players, um, know the systems. And those four, Vincic, Hopkins, Heppen and Urich, they've got loads and loads of ability. And I know that Heppen did a superb job uh, with the Western Sydney Wanderers. So... Uh, I, 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 hope I might disagree with you, actually, Neil, because... If you look at how the W League is going to shape up potentially over the next couple of years leading into the Women's World Cup, there will, I'll think there'll be more of an exodus of all the top-end players. Mm. They'll keep but going. Is. Yeah, that, well, that's right. But then that leaves the young and upcoming players. So if we have a coach that is used to coaching in the W League with the young players versus someone who has international experience and all our internationals are not in Australia, then – how do they get those players together? Would they get them together? Would they be coaching the potential group of players that are going to be playing in the World Cup or not? So I'm not quite sure I agree with you about someone who's coaching in the W League or not. I'm yet to see that pan out. So thinking of some possible candidates, um, what about Tanya Oxterby? I mean, she Tanya's is... an interesting one, yeah. She, I mean, she's she is. doing a good job at Bristol. Um, yep. But whether she would be tempted to come across, I mean, the thing is now that you you could probably be looking at a European-based coach because the vast majority of Matildas are, are there already. But then you lose that connection to anything that's coming out. Yes. And mm-hmm. This is this is a, a bit of a hobby horse of mine. Is that when you look at the NPLW leagues across the other parts of the country, in New South Wales, for example, they're attracting interstate players there. Uh, Lexi's gone over there. Um, we've got players from Adelaide and even players from New Zealand are going to play there. And then the coaches are going to watch that. The coaches mm-hmm. here do not come and watch NPLW games. They've they got don't live video streaming any. now, Neil. <laughs> well, it's still not the same. And they, mm. they've shown no interest in the local game at all. And that's the big difference is that the coaches in the eastern states, even going down into Victoria, will go and watch Victorian NPLW games. Why is that, so, do you think, Neil? Because the quality's there, mm. definitely. And they've got the interest. Um, I mean... We could go on about it, but the mm. fact of the matter is that uh, Terry McFlynn and Bobby Despotowski have not been to a single women's game in the last year. Um, and mm. to me, if you're a coach, you should be looking at your players. And if you're not looking at your players, 
grab the core players and then grab the, uh, the people from the surrounding area of that core um, from teams. I mean, the fact that there was no Fremantle City player in the Glory League last year, in the squad last year, was, I thought was terrible. Um, you know, Gemma Crane, as you mentioned, I'm just to correct you on that, the golden boot went the last year was Sarah Carroll. Mm. Gemma may have been the leading goal scorer for Rio, but she should have been in the Player squad. of the Year. Player of the Year. Yep, sorry. In fact, it was a joint was a tie with Laura. Laura yeah. Waltman, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with um, Sean Billum as well. Mm-hmm. So there was three of them. Two yep. from Fremantle, but none of them in the squad. Yep. I mean, that, that just speaks volumes for word of mouth and I hate to say this as well, but a slight touch of who you know, not how you play. Do you think it's about the NTC progressing the players that should be playing for Australia through the glory. So that's where the hub of the players will be sought from? That may be part of it. But if you want to be a competitive team, you can't have a core of your group being under 18. You can't have have a narrow field of vision either. You have to look at whatever opportunities you can draw players from. Yeah, I think you've got to throw it wider. And I know I disagree strongly that you bring in players a fullback from Victory or a, a, from Melbourne. Uh, why? Why would you do that? Mm. Um, uh, some of the decisions made in the recruiting last year were very strange indeed, um, and they're going to have no choice but to go local this time simply because of COVID. It, it leaves the, the setup of the WB very, very interesting. There'll be no Victory players having played in w, uh, NPL this season because their season has been cut short. It won't. It won't happen. Yeah, or, 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 or here's a thought for you. If we have a hub system and it's played over east, not here in WA, and we have some players that don't want to travel from West Australia or there are players over east that have made themselves available, they might make themselves available for the glory squad. So it is possible there'd be a different mix of players if they have a hub system for the W League this time. It could be, but the... the the development of the Perth squad has been, you know, we've been told quite clearly it will be a West Australian team in three or four years' time. Well, three or four years ago, we had a coach come in who's the same now. So why has that changed? I don't understand that thinking. But if you're going to go down that path, then go down that path. But don't base your selection purely on an NTC squad plus friends of the current squad. That's not the way it works. You need to be looking at players who are in form. Abby Green didn't get a run last year. She was almost the top scorer in the league, and yet she didn't even get on the bench. And mm. she was kept out by a 30-year-old. That's, that's not development for a young player, and that's not a long-term plan. So that same player has to be said, you know, she's banging seven goals in, but uh, is that the long-term future for Perth Glory? No, I think Abby has been fantastic this season. She caused Redbacks all sorts of problems, and she's caused problems... For every team that she's played against so far, I do we'll know. See how she goes. Yeah, I do know that Abby was fuming last year about the golden boot because we'd come back from challenge and we had a game against Sterling that um we cancelled. We didn't play it, and she was like, "Oh, she was one goal off the golden boot," <laughs> and she was like, "I scored five goals against Sterling last time." So yeah, she was fuming about not getting that. But um yeah, I definitely agree about um if you want to invest your time. In youth players, you've got to look and actually give them the opportunities. Um, I do think that there are, are quite a few players um, that came at NTC that were involved in the, the the Glory program last year. If they didn't, you know, without 
being advertised, you know what I mean? Like they were in and around the squad getting the experience but um, not getting the playing time. And, you know, with the all the players leaving the league this year, you know, although, yes, it does bring the quality down, it does give the opportunity to the young players. But... um. And so I feel it will be a bit more of an even playing field. You know, it's it's a essentially a Perth team versus a Melbourne team versus yep. a Newcastle team. It's so it's showcasing what development programs you've built, and I think that's really where um, it's going to showcase what the work you've been doing. If you've been putting work into your juniors and you've got a good development system set up you're going to shine in the league because you've developed these players that are, you know, getting experience. I, I like what you've said there, and it's like my comment about the NTC. Mm. When I think of the NTC, I think of the style of play because consistently every week they show this very patient build-up passing style, mm-hmm. and you can see that. It's consistent in the every week, so the coaching is consistent. It's the coaching style that's the team style. Um, if the Perth Glory had their own home-based players and a coach that was able to have that kind of style and then New South Wales had their own players that showed that kind of style, then that would be great. If they bring in the international players, those international players bring a level of experience and a level of Mm -hmm. style that affects Mm. that. So, Neil, we've got to let you go because we've Uh got to chat more football with other people as well. But um, we do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And um, I love all your work that you're doing in the media. Keep it up. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it takes up a lot of time, but uh, I think the, <laughs> the, the, the dividends are being reaped now. Uh, we are seeing a higher profile of the game, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's something that we'll keep banging on and, and keep trying to, to raise the profile. That's that's what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the passion going. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Penny. Thanks, Neil. See ya. Bye bye. Neil Bennett, sports writer, Northern Redback, media man, weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to Stephanie Brantz from the ABC. This is Pen, Pete and Miranda. Keep listening. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Unusual. Uh, Concerning. Long. Interrupted. Finished. Testing. And finally, it's here. The A-League is open for business once again. For a roll in the crowd. And it's brilliance from Bruno again. World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic. That's massive, you know, and 
you know, I think everyone's a little bit nervous in the world at the minute. We can't recall something like this happening before. We've had to, uh, and I say unfortunately, postpone the A-League. Quarantine and we can't leave the house. This is, I think, day nine for us now. It's been a long time, uh, unpredictable, uncertain times, uh, and everyone's just happy to be back. Welcome back to the World Football Program. This is Penn, Pete and Miranda in the studio, 107.9 FM. Thanks for listening in, everybody. You can catch us on Facebook. We also stream live via radiofremantle.com website. Just hit the listen live button. Go to our Facebook group. You'll see the W League Goal of the Year winner. Nice. So, Good work. Scored against the glory. Yeah, so I don't know say, if we can at least oh. take it a compliment <laughs> that <laughs> the best goal you know, of the season, they needed the best goal of the season to score against the glory, if you want to put a positive spin on it. <laughs> Good one, Pete. Good comeback. Good afternoon, Steph. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Pen Pete Miranda? <laughs> very well. <laughs> very well. <laughs> That's actually starting to roll off the tongue pretty well, Pen Pete and Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Um, young Miranda here is um, a young Matilda goalkeeper. No, junior Matilda goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I have to get those levels right. So she's um, yeah, <laughs> learning the role in, in the studio here. So she can sit in my seat one day, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> she can. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Bring them through. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> need to finish on the park first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the two can probably be pretty compatible these days, especially mm-hmm. in this very big um, media kind of attention to live streaming, whatever. I mean, you can sit at home and do podcasting and then go to your training session and then, you know, you can all fit, can't it, Miranda? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So how's sport looking in in the Australian landscape, Steph, and not just football, but how are we travelling sport-wise? It's very different at the moment. Uh, Look, to be honest, uh, Penn, it's been, you would have seen, uh, albeit from your COVID-free state, you would have been uh, probably watching with interest what happens over here because uh, with so many sides uh, hubbing to complete their seasons in all sports, uh, it's been really interesting the way it's it's unfolded and it's great to have everything back in action, but you just feel like it's so perilous. One thing goes wrong and and sport will stop again. So we're very much hoping that, that it all continues. Uh, from my perspective, it's uh, sometimes frustrating because, of course, a lot of my work revolves around there being crowds in stadiums uh, and being able to be at the live sport. So it's it's been – it feels like a long haul. I know it's only a few months, but it's, it's good to see things back in action. And uh, I've just heard in the last week that – uh, surprise, surprise, I won't be travelling to the States to do the US Open tennis this year. Mm. Uh, so we'll be broadcasting from Sydney uh, via uh, Bristol, Connecticut to, to bring that to Australian fans. So it, it is, you know, things are plodding along, but it's been a very frustrating time. And uh, across the media, the amount of uh, particularly print journos uh, and also reporters that are, are now out of work or freelance. That's probably a better term. Uh, it's been really sad and, and a difficult time for many people. Does that mean that you would still be commentating at, say, the tennis, but you'd do all of your homework and you'd have a live feed and you would do it from Australia? Is that what you mean? Uh, well, it's an interesting one because ESPN has the rights 
to uh, the Australian Open for Australia, but it's also a domestic tournament in the States. So the commentary uh, will come out of the States, and my understanding is that rights-holding broadcasters will actually be on site, but at this point there'll be no fans and uh, <laughs> very few star players from what I'm hearing. But uh, uh, the show that we do from here is the highlights, uh, US Open primetime. Uh, so traditionally we do that on-site and you get all your courtside interviews. Uh, this time we will have one reporter over there uh, who I believe will be allowed to do interviews, but we'll be crossing to and from the States to, to put that show together. It's going to be trickier, but uh, it's sort of what we've been doing for the last couple of months. My crosses uh, come out of my office at home um, on a, a platform, which is it's a bit like a broadcast version of Skype, uh, and it's at times been challenging, but uh, they've just made it happen, and it's what everyone has had to do. And as you, you just mentioned, podcasts and, and things like that, and that's potentially what we're going to see going into the future. We're going to see more of that retained and more of those um, OTT platforms used uh, to bring live sport to people. So uh, I think it's been a test period for everyone, uh, but certainly for the tennis, it's just going to prove to be one of those things that you have to do in these uh, these straightened times. Because I think even if they said, do you want to travel to the States, it's probably not uh, number one on anyone's bucket list right at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is how's it panning out over Eastern Island? And it's nice. We are in this little bubble here in Western Australia where we're treated very kindly by everyone looking after us. Um, so we're able to have our sport here. So we're comfortable. We're sitting in the studio and we're talking about sport because it's happening. Over east, how is it looking in terms of um, Victoria and New South Wales are, are stuttering a little bit, but is there sport going on? How, how is it happening? You know, what? Tell us about it. Well, it's very odd to actually have no sport in Victoria, and I think uh, Melbournians in particular are, are suffering badly, as we know they're all locked down currently. Uh, New South Wales, I think, is just watching very anxiously to see what the community transition uh, transmission does. Uh, but for now, um, I'm outside the SCG, and there's a Swannies game later, and you know there's fans turning up because a, a quarter of the stadium can be filled with fans, and. Uh, certainly in Queensland, uh, they've just become the new sporting capital, haven't they? Everyone has kind of transitioned up there, netball moved up there, the supercars have moved up there, uh, and the uh, the A-League certainly had a plan B that if New South Wales went into lockdown or there was going to be difficulty with the borders, that they would move everyone up there as well. So sport itself uh, has been uh, continuing as per, and I, I think as far as TV ratings go, it's actually been a, a boon for television because... So many people can't attend that they're actually uh, uh, getting many more eyeballs watching the sport, which is great, and it's going out to other countries as well. So the the actual games are are not so different. And you would have seen the certain uh, rule changes that have have come into effect. I mean, for example, with with the football, and this is across the board as a FIFA regulation, there's now five subs. Uh, In the A-League, we don't have VAR, which I think is an absolute godsend. Uh, (laughs) And I was out at... I was out at Sydney SC the other day and uh, they, of course, had two games in, in three days. And it was quite funny because in one match, if there'd been VAR, it would certainly have gone against the Sky Blues. But in the other match, it, uh, uh, it went for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they still didn't get the result they needed for the Premier's plate, but it, it certainly uh, helped them out. So there's been some of those rule changes, which I believe we're going to see stick through uh, to the finals. So what, what kind of makes me giggle is the uh, NRL and AFL matches where they can't do the handshake and all that sort of thing when they come on. And they spend the next um, couple of hours clambering all over each other in tackles. Yes. Uh, so. 
<laughs> I, I find that part a little odd. But no, as far as the actual sport goes, uh, you know, to the to the casual viewer, it's, it's business as usual, which is great. It's just so much sport. And I, I don't know what you guys are like with the Premier League, and I know you get it at a much friendlier time, so you'd probably see more. But I actually lost track. And you sort of open up, I've got um, the BBC Sports app on my phone and you open it in the morning and think, oh, whoops, we played again. Who knew? And yeah. it's just, it's almost too much and, and I just wonder what happens, you know, when it all finishes, all this season's going to culminate at the same time and then we'll all be looking at each other thinking, oh, what happened there? That was a really crazy year. It, it's, a good, and, it's a good point. There are a lot of uh, things like platforms and ways to watch and things to watch. It's a lot like you can be immersed in it. But then again, exposure, it's fantastic. You, you can't miss anything. It's streamed somewhere. It is. It is. And it's been, I think it's been fantastic for actual promotion of the sport to people that otherwise might not watch. And particularly when the NRL was so fast to come back. I mean, they had so many people watching because it was the first live sport back. Uh, and as I mentioned, I was doing crosses to the States for Australian Sports Centre. And even in the States, they were talking about AFL and NRL and, and rugby, which are sports that they traditionally weren't watching, but no one else had live sport on. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually been, uh, in some ways, an advantage. But I know that it's played uh, havoc with uh, I think particularly for some of the players with their mental health, they're not used to being in these hubs away from their families, particularly yes. the uh, the players that have young children. And, and I believe some of them have found it very difficult. Uh, I don't think it affects football quite so much because uh, I think that in general, footballers are used to going away for tournaments, which is, you know, six or eight weeks away, uh, sometimes up to three months, particularly for a World Cup where you're in a, a pre-tournament camp somewhere. So I don't think it was as strange for them, but I, I had read several reports of uh, some of the AFL players uh, and even the NRL players. I know the Warriors, some of their players have struggled with it and have had to return home uh, because they've just found it so difficult. And that's, that's completely understandable. I mean, we might scoff at it, but, you know, it's the, the different ways that people cope with things and yeah. and what I think uh, certainly in the NRL what they hope is every time someone breaks the quarantine regulations or the isolation it's uh, it's you know all hell breaks loose because you only need one player to go down yeah. and you could effectively stop the league yes uh, it's you know and there's only certain people inside that bubble so if they go outside the bubble uh, anything could happen and we've seen I, I know as you mentioned you guys have been uh, uh, very clever about how your state's handled it and, and with really good effect. But over here, you only need one idiot that does something stupid mm. and it puts everything else, else at risk. Yeah, mm. yeah. We we know that um, Castro didn't travel with uh, Glory to the A-League hub and uh, I thought, oh, gee, that's a, a bit of a blow for yeah. Perth Glory. Yeah. And it is. Um, but uh, Perth Glory have done all right. Well, one yeah. win, one loss so far. Yeah, yeah, so far. There's a yeah, few got... few games left right through to August, September. I can't I, I remember. Think we're looking yeah. – the odds are we'll be in the finals, so. Yeah, well, there's so many teams uh, where, in the where, where finals. Is, <laughs> where is he, by the way? <laughs> Sorry? Was he off in a Winnebago somewhere? Yeah, I believe he's, he's still in Western Australia. <laughs> he cannot he's just, be yeah. travelling, Steph. Don't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, you can travel around Australia. He'd, he'd be down Margaret River right now. Uh, only around Western Australia. Yeah, yeah down Margaret River. There's plenty of places to visit. Yep. Yeah.
Yep. Uh, uh, do you know what? Margaret River are smashing up 27 games in the A-League. Oh, that's a tough choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel for Castro, and I'm, I'm actually a little bit more surprised that more players with families haven't put their foot down and said, look, because of the situation, I don't feel that that's a safe situation for me to be in. Mm. And Castro appears to have done that, and he's opted mm. out. So good on him for doing that. Not so good for Perth Glory. Um, some fans really not so happy about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, well, I, I don't know his personal situation, but I'm guessing he's 37 and he was on marquee wages. He's probably got a bit of cash in the bank that he can afford to elect not to pay. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that would that would yeah. definitely affect your uh, your your outlook. Uh, I feel probably the most for Melbourne Victory who've had uh, a very ordinary season by their own standards, and then they lost not just the coach but Ola Toivonen went yeah. uh, back overseas and um, Tim Hoagland, and you, you just looked at it and went, "Wow!" And then Robbie Cruz goes down with a season-ending yeah. ending injury. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's. It's tough, and and it will remain tough, I think, for certainly any side that picks up injuries in the coming weeks and then has to play finals. What do you think about the A-League season potentially moving to a December-July period? Uh, Do you know what? That's going to be an interesting one. But, Ken, to be honest, and there's a lot of debate over whether moving to winter, which is, I think, what it feels like we're transitioning towards, whether aligning those seasons is a good idea. Uh, I actually don't think it matters that much. Maybe it is better to align all the different tiers of football and have them play at the same time. Certainly, winter football is faster, uh, and it's actually a better spectacle. Uh, But there is no clear air. The original idea of putting the A-League over summer was it avoided the NRL and the AFL and it gave it time to bed in. Uh, those days are over. There's the Big Bash cricket, you know, yep. sort of took that away. Then you've got Australian Open tennis and there's so much sport going on that I think from that perspective, you can play it wherever you want. December to July is going to be interesting because as we see in the W League, it's hellish playing, mm. you know, particularly in Perth. I mean, I yep. remember flying over the games, but because of our broadcast time on the ABC, they're being played at midday in Perth. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing you on the sideline commentating when I was down there in the shade (laughs) and you are sweating away and I'm thinking there's nothing you can do about that. Sweating up a storm. It's always so attractive too then when you have to go on camera. Quite lovely. And and when you apply powder to get rid of the the sweat and the shine, it just turns into a sort of blancmange on your face. It is the most attractive time of year to work outdoors. Mm. (laughs) However, when I moved into commentary, you get an air-conditioned boot. So uh, Much better. Whole yeah. different story. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, you know, if you look at next year and if, you know, W League hasn't been confirmed of, you know, whether they will follow A League and go to winter or I think what's more likely is they'll stay where they are, maybe yes. push it back a bit um, to allow Victoria to get themselves sorted out. But um, if you've got, if you end up doing a hub system and all your players are local, which, you know, in turn will probably mean you've got a lot of young players in your squad, you're taking you know, 17, 18-year-old people away from their family, maybe away from their education for yep. three months or so, you know. that Can that l- yeah, actually happen practically? That can yep. take a, you know, a big mental toll and as well, you know, be a lot of work if you want to, you'd have to juggle your studies and bring everything That's else That's actually over. a really good point, Miranda. Mm. If they're under the, what's the FIFA age of separation from families? Is it 18? I think it's 18. Yeah, so if you yeah. had like 16 and 17-year-olds um, in the squad mm. and they were having a home and away game, you can imagine families would be okay with that. Yeah. If they're having a hub system where they might be away for four or six weeks, I'm not sure there'd be many families that would mm. think that is appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I know, you know, 
um, with players like you know Letitia, they'd miss you know every couple Thursdays or Fridays off school to go if they were playing an away game. But if you're talking about missing a solid three chunks of school when a lot of these players yeah. will, you know, be in their year 11, 12 stage of school as yes. well when they're, you know, really have to buckle down and do a lot of work, it can be very difficult to manage, I know. So what about you? If you were potentially going to be the Perth Glory goalkeeper, Miranda, and you were in a hub system and it's going to be for, say, six to eight weeks mm. over East, what, what would you think about that? Well, I mean, you know, for me, I'd finished school this year so I'd be finished school by the time the new double league season starts but there are players that are you know a year below me in school and they'd be in their year 12 Mm. um, year of school and you know trying to get a good ATAR school so they can have a backup plan which is really promoted these days as well Um, you know because football is such a uncertain career your career can end at any time yep Um, but yeah so it'd just be very difficult to manage I know when we were away um, in Thailand and in the Pacific last year, it was very difficult to manage birds. <laughs> but yeah, it was. You know, we. I was in my year eleven um, of school last year, so you know, having to do some tests um, while we were away. Um, we had like a little room where we aligned, you know, four or five of us doing a test at a time and, you know, some people were doing English or physics or maths. And Did that work? Times. Were you able to then refocus back on your football clearly? So um, they were really good at managing actually. They had um, people um, talking to our teachers, our coaches and our managers would talk to our teachers and say, look, we've got a game this day and we really want them focusing on that and mentally preparing for that. So, so no exam on this day. Yeah, don't do an exam on this day. <laughs> Can we do it on this day? And But you really had a lot of time to, um, if you wanted to, study because you're, well, especially in Thailand, we weren't really allowed outside the hotel. We had <laughs> security guards on the door and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so if but then Pacific was different as well because it's a diplomacy tour and you're going out and you're in the community and doing all these stuff. So that was a lot busier schedule. But in Thailand, it was very much you'd have the morning, you'd maybe do a pool recovery or a video analysis session or it's match day, you know, go over tactics and starting lineup and stuff. But other than that, your morning's pretty much free. You train the same time your next game is, which is usually evening, so you can, you know, acclimatise and whatnot. But then the morning's free, so, you, you know, some players would... Um, get some homework done. Some players would go and watch some Netflix, but, you know, it really depended. Uh, Steph, um, we're going to have to wind up our chat uh, very shortly, but I did want to ask you, we've been successful. We've got the Women's World Cup happening in 2023. Um, We're in a very strange time for our football environment. What do you think we need to do in the next 12 months to engage Australia, what can we do to engage Australia that we are having a, a Women's World Cup? What can FFA and the community do to take first steps towards that? Well, I'm actually hoping, and, and don't forget there was a huge amount of interest on the back of uh, the successful bid uh, for Australia and New Zealand and, and people came out of the woodwork that you know and you followed women's football and uh, everyone jumped on the bandwagon and I say we keep that bandwagon open. Anyone who shows any interest whatsoever, we encourage them, we support them and we bring them into the tent, as it were. Uh, I think from FFA's perspective and what I imagine will be the case uh, is that we'll see more exhibition matches in the lead-up because everyone will want to do scouting tours uh, down under, both here and in New Zealand. And and I think we'll see some really fabulous uh, exhibition matches occur in those FIFA windows. And they're going to be crucial, more crucial than ever for the Matildas uh, because we know that they're such a popular team in Australia and in coming years 
uh, due to the success of the WSL, we're probably going to see fewer and fewer of those uh, senior team players uh, on home soil for yes. the domestic league, yeah. uh, which I was just listening to Miranda there and I thought it's interesting that, you know, these young players can balance that uh, study and, and for the others' work. And I know that um, Tegan at the World Cup was sitting her final university exam mm-hmm. in the middle of a World Cup. And, you know, it, it can be done. But what I think it also uh, gives Australia is a, a huge opportunity for our young players uh, to step up into that really elite level uh, because it's a big step from the Premier League to uh, the W League and then another huge step to play for the Matildas mm-hmm. and, and yeah. the players that come through those youth uh, national team setups, uh, they're, they're getting already into that groove and, and having those experiences. But yeah. uh, I think if we can encourage them and keep uh, the W League alive, uh, because it will be a struggle. I think it's going to be difficult without the stars. We saw when Sam left, you know, the interest drops off and, yeah. and that's tough to, yeah. to keep everyone engaged. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it is an opportunity and we're going to see a W League. That It's not a development league. It's just a different sort of league. And we need to keep that as entertaining and competitive as possible and then try and bring out, I mean, there is a plan afoot to bring the US here. And U.S. Matildas on home soil would be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, China was out here. I, I imagine that uh, the Asian teams will be very keen to come down under as well. So I think if we could see a couple of perhaps mini tournaments occurring, uh, COVID permitting, because the pandemic is, is putting a huge impact on that. Uh, but I think when it rolls around, and we saw it with the Asian Cup, the massive uh, community interest in you know even teams that weren't even that great there was there was a lot of support from the community and everyone really really jumped on board a la the you know the 2000 olympics when you know everyone was engaged and even the volunteers and um the the fans were fantastic and i think we'll see sort of a replica of that And and i think everyone will be engaged but certainly bringing those teams down under and just getting the word out getting out to community clubs uh just getting people hyped up for what is the biggest women's football showcase. And can I say that community media and home podcasts and all those kind of things where people have their own individual passions and can step into um, community platforms and share football is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say we, but uh, you were part of the Women Onside webinar during the week, which I thought was really um, enlightening for me to see people from different parts of the world engage in that and just talk about how we can all do our bit to raise that excitement and that um, passion and exposure for football. And Steph, next time we have a chat to you, uh, what I want from you, this is your homework, is to come up with the <laughs> candidates for the next... Matilda's coach, okay, and we'll have a big discussion about that, right? So you've got to bring oh, that to the table, wow. okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's, there's, there's about 20 names out there at the moment, yeah. so hopefully it's a it's a bit of a shorter list by the time. <laughs> we get you know, that, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm I'm keen to see. Okay, I'll go away. I'll do my homework, and uh, I'll ha- I'll have a short list for you next time. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Appreciate Thanks, your Steph. time. Pleasure. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. That was Stephanie Brantz, ABC. Um, yep, talking football and sports environments, very interesting uh, loss of jobs across um, professional media. Well, Simon Hill's gone into podcasting. Yes, yeah. for the time indeed. being. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back. Yes, uh, we'll go to break and then we'll come back and we'll chat to Gareth Navin.
Football West Development Officer. And in that space, we'll talk about the men's NPL, the women's NPL results, whatever we need to talk about that we haven't covered at that point. Actually, just just before yep. we go, oh, sure. one, one extra little stat for, for the glory, for the glory of men. Um, just happened to spot this. Uh, Liam Reddy. Yes. Has 111 appearances for the glory now. He's actually tied with Danny Vukovic. So next time he appears, he'll be our longest-serving goalkeeper since the A-League started. How Sorry, many years? Jason Petkovic, because I don't have the NSL stats. But, gotcha. Um, so Liam joined us in... He also holds the record for, I think, switch, for playing for the most number of different A-League clubs. Mm-hmm. He joined us in 2016. <laughs> yeah. So 111 appearances, tied with Danny at the moment. He's done all right. He can stay for a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> this is Penn Peter Miranda on the World Football Program. Back very shortly. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. A little musical interlude to come back to. This is the World Football Program with Penny, Pete and Miranda. Talking football, we have a guest guest in Gareth Navin from Football West on the line. Uh, before we have a chat to Gareth, we'll just... Uh, Run into the NPL space. NPL. So uh, yep. with the, the men's NPL, this is? Because we need yes. to be clear which one we're talking yeah, about know, these right? days. Yeah. You can't just say NPL and assume it's the men. Yep. Uh, last week, Gwellup Croatia 4-1 over Perth Glory. ECU Joondalup put six past Sorrento. Bayswater City defeated Inglewood United 2-0. Coburn City uh, beat Perth SC 1-0 and claimed the Peter Cup, which is not named after me. Um, Balcata and Floria Athena had a 3-all draw and Rockingham City hosted Armadale. Armadale won that one 4-1. Yep. 
So okay. coming up with the results uh, fixtures today, uh, Florida Athena host Rockingham City, Perth Glory at home against ECU Joondalup, Sorrento hosting Bayswater City, Gwellup Croatia away to Armadale, Belcatta hosting Perth and Inglewood United are hosting Coburn City. Sitting on top of the table? Sitting on top of the table is Gwellup Croatia on uh, two, two wins and a draw, uh, tied with Florida Athena. So. Yep, yep. And um, all games being live streamed and all games today. Yes, all yep. games today. Yep, and uh, across to the women's NPL. Miranda, did you have some – we've already played one fixture, which mm-hmm. was mum last night's game, 6-0 over Curtin. Yep, hosting bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the rest of the fixtures for the weekend? Yep, so um, all the games are tomorrow, the rest of the fixtures. You've got Perth versus Subi, Barcada versus Redbacks, and Fremantle versus NTC. And once again, all being live streamed. You can hop onto footballwest.com.au and find out – where those games are being played and what time? Who's sitting on top of the ladder? Um, I believe, or well, after that win, it's Murdoch. That's that's <laughs> one of those examples of asking a question when you already know <laughs> oh, the answer, yeah. Penny. <laughs> game in hand, Murdoch at the top. Go, yeah. Mum FC. All but right. I would like to say, with two <laughs> draws and a win, NTC the only undefeated team in the league. Good at the point. Moment. Okay, bragging rights there as well. Okay, <laughs> thank you for that. And Gareth, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problems. Thanks for joining us. And I know you're a busy lad. What's across your calendar at Football West? Um, well, look, we, um, I'm involved in a, a TSP program Wednesday and Saturday, uh, which is a talent support program, which is a program run by sort of SFA in conjunction with member federations for additional training sessions for potentially talented players. Um, so we do a, a Wednesday hub at Wanneroo, um, Saturday morning hub, Central at Gibney Reserve, and uh, we also do a girls' skill acquisition program here in the morning, under nines, under tens, under elevens, under twelves. Um, so, and then uh, some club visits during the week. Try to get out some club visits, and uh, this year we're looking at uh, obviously keeping the talent ID process for boys and girls in uh, junior state teams as well. Tell us about the um, state team processed because this year there's no travel so no championships no tournaments how does that look from football west point of view um well um more so for, for what it looks like for the players i, I suppose the yep. most important thing is that for football west we got in touch with uh trevor morgan the head coach of the under 17 national teams and uh, in conjunction obviously with the, the women junior national teams as well and we just thought that it's important to because we can play football um, that we're still continuing that talent ID process. And obviously that ID process for girls and boys uh, born 2005 and 2006, um, because, you know, there's opportunity where there's still World Cup cycles possible happening and we, we just sort of want to be uh, prepared to obviously um, bring players forward, but also it's a nice opportunity to, to be representing the state team. Um, obviously the, the boys won't travel, uh, but in saying that we can organise a some tournaments, some in-house matches and, you know, um, get players playing more matches uh, when they've obviously at this stage probably lost a few matches mm. um, due to the obviously COVID. Yeah. And I, I think the important thing would be I, I'm a coach of girls 14 group and I think it might be good to have those opportunities where the players can go along and benchmarks benchmark themselves against other groups. Mm. And I, I think I saw that the state team trials that you'd been having had a really big turnout. Was that right? Look, in each age group for the 14 boys, and uh, we had, I think, uh, well in over 200 players, um, 
also the 05 boys. We had um, over 200 players. So, yeah, look, you know, a really nice turnout for people to, like you say, benchmark, experience the trial, um, you know. Um, so, overall, it was, you know, really well supported by the football community. That's for sure. Yeah, it was. And that's saying that the messages are getting out there to the clubs, which is great, and to the kids. Um, and the information Football West is putting out into the community via their social platforms as well as getting out there, which is great. And I'm pretty sure that the kids in those age groups are already out there despite their parents and coaches telling them on those social mediums having a look anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about – uh, yeah, go on. Sorry? No, no. Uh, no, I was just going to say um, you're out and about um, doing your job in in the areas, state team trials, et cetera, et cetera. Who else is on board in helping you do all those things? Well, look, we've had a number of people come in, uh, to be honest, and we've been really thankful that we've, you know, um, there's been Gary Church, uh, Chris Ola, there's been um, Sean Darcy, um, Ron Rixer, um, Mark Scanlon, uh so, you know, to coordinate and effectively effectively try and look at everyone. Um, um, you, you need uh, a number of coaches as well. And so we sort of coordinated that and have been really grateful for their time in able to do that, especially to probably pull it together um, in a fair short period of time. Um, so, yeah, and obviously the girls will start theirs on the Wednesday and Friday. Now, Wednesday, Friday, um, next week. What will happen over the summer period? The season goes through to October, I think, is the final games for all of the leagues. Um, when that's done, um, there'll be a space because the A-League would have finished and it won't start until December, um, maybe. Okay, if you, yeah. are, you, are you talking about from a Football West organisation yeah. or from a competition structure or what, I'm, what, I'm, or, or a games pro, or a program? No, like I'm, just, programs that I'm just saying that because the seasons are changing in where they're going to land and overlap for all of the national leagues, etc., and our local seasons finish in around about the October space, uh, Football West usually run through summer with various um, different programs. What will happen for this summer period, do you think? Look, all I can talk about is um, the programs that I'm responsible for. Okay. Um, in, in regards to the TSP, the Girls Skill App, um, you know, we, we uh, usually the the TSP program for boys and girls, they, they'll form a, a trial situation in regards to probably middle to end of November. Um, and then that formed the basis of the squad entering the new year in usually February in the school terms. Um so in regards to those programs, that's what I'll be focusing in on and, yep. you know, how we put more substance in the programs, yep. which means for me, how do we affect the players better and mm. get them better? Um, so um, in regards to that, that, that's what I'll be looking at. Um, in regards to any of the other programs that we run, um, you know, um, one of the other important things is our regional areas and getting out to regions to make sure we're really supporting them to develop pathways into Metro as well. So um, I, I do some visits up there as well. Um, so that, that's my remit. Any other than that, I, I wouldn't be able to... Uh, I wouldn't be able to say, to be honest, because yeah. I wouldn't know. With the regional areas, are there development officers running through each of the... Well, I'm not sure how you classify a oh, yeah. regional area. Yeah, we have d- d- development officers through from, you know, Pilbara, Midwest, Geraldton... 
down into sort of southwest Lewin, uh, uh, Bunbury, uh, Aspirants, uh, Kalgoorlie, um, you know, um, all working extremely hard to bring football to the region and also um, bring programs such as training centres and TSP centres to, to help both players who want to train more um, and give them access more to the competition structure we have here in, in Metro, mm. which, you know, for our regional our regional players, it's difficult times, you know. Yeah, I do uh, know there's the know, uh, regional football festival um, coming up yes, on the that'll be up. 15th, the weekend of the 15th of August, because we're, yeah. Yeah, we're playing a game. Yeah, we're playing a game down correct. there. NTC versus yeah. Perth. So look, it's, it's important to bring matches to the regional areas to, you know, uh, it's great for football as a whole and to, mm. to put football on show. Um, and in saying that as well, it, it definitely shows the benchmark to the players and to the parents, the volunteers, with regards to the level um, of football, um, you know. Um, so uh, it's really important that we connect close to our regional um that, that we have from Football West, the association, mm-hmm. the parents, uh, the volunteers, you know, because a lot of the regional areas are built on volunteers yep. as well. Yeah, Absolutely. So just tell us more about that regional football festival. Is that for um, – what, what age group is that for? I'm not sure. Uh, I really. believe I believe we're having some matches down there and probably some coach education down there as mm. well. Be a presence of Football West to – bring football to the region as such. Yeah. All I know so is we've got the Friday off school. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Go down nice. Friday, come back Sunday. So where is that, Miranda? Yeah. Albany. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, so a nice six-hour bus trip down with the team and six-hour yep. bus trip back. Okay, and when's that? The weekend. We leave on the 14th, play on the 15th, come back the 16th, but there's events going on all weekend, I think. Okay, so what month? August. Okay, mm-hmm. next August. month. August. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, where does Country Week fall into this, Gareth? Are you any involvement with that? Look, Country Week will happen in the October school holidays. I think in the first week, October school holidays. Yeah. So all the football West staff are involved in that. More me from a point of um, looking at players, looking at the competition level. You know, looking at the players in there. For, for town ID as well. So we have a country week and a country camp in, in October as well to look at. So, you know, across the organisation, there's a lot happening. Yes, you know, there is. In regards to um, the football department I work in, from the competition structures, from, you know, all across different areas, yep. you know, working hard to, to keep football ticking over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are you seeing out there when you're getting out and about and um, landing at, at clubs and seeing the programs? Is there a good good feeling about things? Is there good uptake in all of the programs and engagement from Look, the particip- community? Participation looks really good. You know, there's nothing like playing more matches. And, you know, I'm not shy in saying that uh, across the board uh, we've got to have more matches in our competition structure from, you know, whether it's April to September or whether it's, you know, February through to September, the more competitions, uh, I mean, the more matches our young players play, they get used to the different experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the more training sessions they play, they get they used to and get better with the different different situations. So that, that's a thing, you know, that's, I think, important moving forward, you know, in my personal opinion. Uh, so... But I see a lot of energy. I see a lot of volunteers doing their best. I see a lot of coaches, um, you know, out there 
um, working with these young kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, as long as they're having fun, as long as they get touches on the ball and, you know, there's a little bit of awareness going on from them, hey, um, that's, that's enough in regards to, you know, getting our players better. You have a big job, Gareth. <laughs> well, I think everyone's got a big job, to be honest. I think it's just not me. I think, you know, football in general, because, you know, our big participation base is grassroots, mini-roofs, yep. parents, volunteers, and those sort of, you know, uh, people who really are so important to the um, their first experience in football. You know, is it a first experience that I want to be a volunteer, I want to be a coach, I want to be a fan, you know, and it's, you know, it's our job to make sure we can provide that platform, that opportunity to, to make sure that experience is definitely one that you want to come back to. So I think everybody, I think not just the members that are, I think everyone, I think the clubs as well are working hard at it. You know, we all want to get better and I don't think no one doesn't want to get better, mm. you know, in regards to football. So, you know, if we can keep chipping away and make some small improvements and, you know, I, as uh, as one, as together, you know, we've got a better chance of, um, you know, people staying in the game, loving the game. And, Absolutely. And, yep. and going forward. So, you know, yep. I don't think it's just, it's everybody trying, it's got a hard job. Do you do you see any things out there, any programs out there that you go, oh, that's a pretty darn good idea. That should be shared to the community. Um, look, um, programs in – what I go across is, I suppose, from the FSA, the discovery phase, the um, uh, discovery phase, that foundation phase or skill acquisition, you know. Um, and I think the other – one of the, the other barriers we've got to um, think about is that you don't have to be a coach to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I like you know? that. I like that a lot. So it's because, you know, um, uh, everyone's got a certain amount of knowledge and experience from, you know, their past or their, what they're doing currently. So I, I think it's how do we provide learning opportunities for mm-hmm. volunteers who just want to take the under eight, but, you know, do you want to be accredited? Well, you know, I may not have the time. I may not want to go down that way, but I'm happy to set some cones up. I'm happy to put do goals out, and I'm happy to, you know, um, give a small task. You know, um, I can communicate to them on the level as a, you know, some basic skills that we, we all are across because, you know, I think that's part of football as well. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I know we get, you know, the accreditation path pathway is important to develop. But also what's important to develop is um, those mums and dads or those volunteers who, you know, don't want to go down that way mm-hmm. and give them some skills or help to say, hey, if, why don't you try this? Or you're probably doing this already, which is great because you don't need to be accredited to do it, you know. you know. So I think there are things there we could um, relieve or stop making that as a barrier. It is a barrier. You know, I like um, what you're saying I, there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love to see more women get involved in coaching, mm-hmm. you know, or coaching or, or learning, the, learning the skills because, you know, um, um, I, I think they're um, really capable um, to, um, you know, get involved in that, in that essence, in that, that side of nurturing, mentoring, uh, you know, from what age group, sixes, eight, nine, tens, or however you want, you know, but... Increase the, the number of um, 
women participating in, in those sort of areas, whether it's a, you know, accredited pathway coach development or just, Mentor, you know, mentoring coach development. Model. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, coach development yeah. stuff. That's all. Gareth, I really um, appreciate your time today. We're going to have to let you go. Um, thank no worries. You, thank you for uh, joining us, and I love what you said about you don't have to be a coach to be a coach. That just yeah. spot on. It. It's right into the heart of things for me. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, look, uh, thanks for all the work that you do out there. Keep on doing it, and I'd love to catch up with you at another point and see how you're going and, and see how things have changed uh, for you and out there in the football environment and to bring us some more positive yeah. insights. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your time. Good on Have you. Thanks, nice Gareth. Day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. A very softly spoken Gareth Navin, who was an absolute dynamo as a player for Perth Glory. <laughs> yes, good stuff. Uh, next up is Lennon Bags Groove. Guys, this has been it for two hours of football. Always more to flick in there, but... <laughs> It's going to have to be down to Sean next week and yes, his right. team. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy your football tomorrow, Miranda. Good luck with your Thank game. You. You're not playing Mum FC, so you can win. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pete, really appreciate your time as usual. Not a problem. Thanks for listening in, everyone, and I uh, hope you tune in for next week. See ya. Thank you.